Okay, welcome everyone to the fourth edition of the MPL Sunday Show. It's Scott and Adam with you on hand to recap another weekend, a busy weekend in Queensland football, headlined by the fourth edition of the Gold Coast Derby. Adam, how are you? I'm good, Scott. How are you? I'm good. It was another good weekend, wasn't it? Oh, I think every weekend's going to be a good weekend in the MPL and also the R2 um, Football Queensland Senior Competitions. But uh, this this uh, MPL Queensland season, it just continues to evolve as far as you know the drama. And I think we've got some you know, fun weeks ahead of us right through to the final round. Most certainly do at both ends of the table in all three competitions. We'll start off with the game we were at on Saturday night in the Gold Coast Derby down at the Croatian Sports Centre. And you look at a 3-0 result for Gold Coast Knights and think that it was a quite a comfortable win, but that most certainly wasn't the case, especially in the first half, Adam. No, look, uh, it's uh, one of those games where I think uh, it was always going to be an arm wrestle. Eventually, one team or another, depending on their game plan, was always going to succeed. And uh, look, Gold Coast United, I think, uh, credit to them, that they, they were probably, they just shaded Knights as far as being the better team in the first half, but they couldn't uh, find the back of the net. And then in the second half, I think Gold Coast Knights, you know, just run over the top of them. And um, yeah, it's it, it, it was a professional win by uh Gold Coast Knights, so that's, that's for sure, and really sort of asserts their claim as a top four club, but I certainly wouldn't be, um, I think the score kind of also flattered them. I thought Gold Coast United deserved probably a little bit better than that. Particularly in the first half, I deserved a bit more. I thought in the first half their plan was a lot more clear of what they were trying to achieve. I thought Gold Coast Knights got down to that 80-yard box and they just kind of ran out of ideas. I didn't know exactly how they were going to break Gold Coast United down, but to your point, the the class told in the second half, two goals from Jason McQuarrie, and another from young Mason Cross in injury time. But how do you think that front third worked for Gold Coast Knights? It was three really quick players without a real target man type, and they seemed to struggle to adapt to it for a while, didn't they? Yeah, I think I think it was a deliberate, it was a deliberate plan. Obviously, you know, when you have um, experienced uh, defenders such as you know Michael Thwaite and uh, Yabe at the at the back, there they're always. They, I think they thought that you know if they played you know Harrison Sawyer up front. That you know, maybe they wouldn't get as much um, purchase out of you know trying to aim and target for. It. So having sort of more mobile sort of front three with uh, Nicholas Panetta, Jason McQuarrie, and Jaden Prasad, I think that it sort of went away from the game plan. But you could tell their intent. But um, obviously, uh, it, was, it was one of those sort of situations where you know for all that you know the planning and whatnot, it didn't really sort of execute well. And then end up in the first half of nights, you know, it was it was up to Max Brown and you know, and Mitch Nichols to be trying to um you know hit, hit him from long range and they really didn't you know, do much in the first half. I thought Mitch Nichols, particularly in the second half actually, he really started when he really turned on the second half, you could tell he was a big difference maker in the game. But at the other end of the field, we'll talk more about transfers across the competition later on, but Aaron Reardon had returned to the Gold Coast. Oh, sorry for the Gold Coast, not to beg your pardon. It came off the bench. And Oscar Dillon released by Western United back in the starting lineup. And I thought that he was really composed at him in the way what, what he did defensively. He just, he looked like he hadn't, he'd been there all season, didn't he? Just like composure. He's brought what he's learned from Western United back down to the MPL level. Uh, it's it's amazing, uh, um, Oscar Dillon. Watching him last night, you would have thought that yeah, he's been he's been playing week in week out. Apparently, he hasn't been, he hasn't played for three months. Since since the end of and pretty much since uh, yeah since Western United sort of um, so we actually didn't take any part in the final series uh, you know during during sort of the uh, during sort of the last part of last month so um, yeah look he he looked he didn't look like he missed the beat and even uh, Aaron Reardon when he came on he hasn't played much either he was down in obviously in the bubble with um, Brisbane Raw but didn't see any minutes um, and even he sort of you know looked he came on the second half and sort of, he did a good job as well at you know to pretty much lock down the game for Gold Coast Knights in the second half. 
Williams didn't play for five months since obviously mm. since the end of the MPL season because he didn't feature in any of the games that they were all played in the bubble. So it's been a while for him. But talk about Gold Coast United. I thought that they were they put in a really good effort, didn't they? They did probably about everything they could possibly do. The starting eleven they had clearly there was a plan in place, and they just kind of lacked a bit of depth, didn't they? Yeah, look, I think uh, missing Shane Smeltz through suspension sort of really sort of, you know, it hurt them, I think. Um, look, Sam Smith, he's, he's a good player, but I think he he sort of need that sort of more support. You know, having, and having, you know, a senior head like Smeltz there that would have sort of taken all the pressure off him. Obviously, a big game for Sam Smith being a former Knights player as well, so he would have came in for a bit of attention. But, look, I thought the um, the left-hand side uh, for... Um, or, yeah, the left-hand side for Gold Coast United. I thought they were really good. You know, uh, Justin McAuliffe and Cyan uh, Cuba. I think they had a really good first half. I thought, you know, a lot of play was coming down that side. And, um, yeah, look, they, they were unlucky. But, um, yeah, again, I think it's more of a credit to um, Gold Coast um, Gold Coast Knights that they were able to sort of repel the first half. So also, Jaden Walker, I think, as well, sort of defending on Cyan Cuba. That was a really, really interesting contest, especially in the first half. I definitely think Cyan Cuba was the best player on the field in the first half. He was playing; it was right in front of us for the majority of that half, and he he, he was just running Jaden Walker ragged. But we should mention before we move on from this game, we should talk about young Mason Cross. Great strike for a first goal on debut as well. Yeah, look, that's a dream, dream stuff for him, uh, and ho- hopefully, sort of goes on with it with the confidence. But oh yeah, that was that was a uh, a great strike from him. And it was great to see that atmosphere back at the Croatian Sports Centre last night as well, wasn't it? The atmosphere from the, the Gold Coast Knights fans getting into it, particularly in the second half when their side was on top. But it was a really good crowd down there once again. Yeah, look, it wasn't as large as um, the, some of the crowds we've seen uh, the derby last year. I thought that that was, it was a huge crowd. But uh, yeah, look, football's certainly alive and well. And um, look, if, if Knights are going to continue putting up those sort of performances, um, look, that crowd's only going to get bigger. But I think it's a, the trend across... Um, the competition at the moment, the, the crowds are growing as you know we come out of this um, this pandemic, and uh, and look, I think you know, fans are starting to return. I think even bigger numbers. I think that's a reflection on the competitiveness and the just the overall standard of the league at the moment. Absolutely. Hopefully, we see similar and even more numbers down at the um, Coptic Family Sports Park in a couple of months' time when they play in the second edition of the Gold Coast Derby. Let's now hear from both coaches. First, Gold Coast Knights coach Adam Porridge, and then Gold Coast United coach Matt Oswald. We're now going to the Gold Coast Knights, Adam Porridge. Adam, what's the great result for your side tonight? Yeah, fantastic result. So, um, the, the first half was was nip and tuck. You know, uh, they came out, you know, it's, it's a typical derby, very difficult. Um, you know, not much uh, quarter given. There was a lot of fighting going on. But as soon as the first goal went in, the game opened up, and, you know, I, I knew it was going to be, you know, more than one. So you were confident at half time, even if they were slightly on top of the field. Look, we were confident before we started. We were confident at half time. We got a, we got a very good squad of players. You know, players coming off the bench with, with walking to most of the NPL teams. We, we, got, we got a good squad. We expect to win. You mentioned a good squad. Two new additions. How good that in back Both of those boys were outstanding. Like you know, Oscar hasn't played for you know, a few months. Aaron Reardon probably hasn't played for four or five months. Um, and, they, and they were both solid defensively. They, they were a platform for us to build our attacks. Um, you know, they're both 21 years old. They got so much football in front of them that they, they were both outstanding today. I guess it gives you a nice like, headache as well. Well, yeah, we got a couple of little niggles. There was a lot of football coming up over the next sort of six to eight weeks. 
Um, but we've got a squad to, to be able to deal with those things. So, um, and, but as you say, yeah, if they're all fit, yeah, you know, it's going to be tough to, to pick the the best eleven. And you've got the game here to look at the, the ground floor rematch. Looking forward to getting up there to Goodwood Park in, in that matchup. Yeah, look, you, you know, they're obviously sitting on top of the league at the moment. I'm not sure how the results going tonight, but um, yeah, it's always a tough game up there. They've got some good players. Um, but you know we don't fear anybody. We're, we're going to go up there full of confidence, and, and you know, we're going up there expecting to win. Just quickly, the atmosphere crowd here. How important is that for you? Well, look, the crowd are absolutely unbelievable. The kids are great. The parents are great. The community is great. Um, you know, it just gives the player. It's almost like having another player on the pitch. You know, when they get behind you, they're, they're really good. And you know, if we keep playing like the way we played today, we'll, they'll, they'll keep coming back. Thank you very much, Matt. Thanks for talking to us after the loss. It was a good point from outside the first half, but the second half just fell away a bit. Yeah, it f- f- fell away. We dropped away in a little bit of pr- pressure on the ball, which um, yeah, a few naive mistakes cost cost us there, and then momentum swings. So um, that can happen. Did you think if you did get a goal in the first half when you were on top, you could have gone on? Is that kind of the plan going in? Oh, absolutely. Well, uh, the plan going in is always always to score and always to get on top, but. Um, yeah, look, we had we had our chances. I think the the first half was quite even. Both teams both teams had their had their way of play. We had a few few chances, but at the end of the day, it's uh, it's the end result that matters. So, how much did you miss Shane Oh, look, you always miss that that level of experience. Um, you know, we had um, some other players that came that came in, and, and look, the way the MP, MPL is post. Post COVID, you're playing midweek, you're playing various weeks. Uh, you're never, never at full strength generally, so you have to, you have to manage that. But he definitely offers, offers, offers that um, experience that we need. But um, whether, whether contributed to the result or not, who knows? At the other end of the age, the only young players in the squad in last week. Does that kind of mean that the club eight squad to do bring young players? Too? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it's the whole structure of the club to try and drive young players. That's why we've got experienced players like like Thwaity, like James Brown, like uh, Smelty that are in that, that are in the club, and um, you know we've all got experience, even even myself. So. Um, yeah, trying to trying to groom those young players into into playing full time. It's a, it's a and, and in first grade, it's it's a big step from under twenties up, up up to up to the top grade. What's the what's the goal for the remainder of the season? Is it to secure a mid table position? That the target now? Uh, look, we go in a, to to win each, to win each game. So I haven't looked at where where where, where we're going to be. Um, obviously, the, the mid mid part of the, the table is still a fair stretch away from the top four. Which we can see, so yeah, that will be as, as close as we can get to that top top four. If not, if I pull a spot, but look, we go in every game um, for, for 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 a win, um, and then we look look to, look to develop our players outside of that as well. You got three games in the week now. You got Pencil Pound midweek and East after that, is it? Yep, what are your that's right. Most Hard games, hard games, and like I said, uh, next next step is finish on Wednesday night, and that's all we that's all we look forward to. So. Uh, we plan for that. We recover. It's, it's quite brutal at the moment. We've had a few games, midweek games, and back to back. So uh, we've just come off the back of Olympic and, and, and other games. So it's uh, we've got a hard little run. Um, but look, uh, players are doing well, recovering, and, and, and get back to it. So see how we go from here. No, no dramas. Thanks, gents. So that's what both coaches had to say after last night to win for the Gold Coast Knights down there in the Gold Coast. I've been with both coaches as always, just having time to talk to us. Now, Adam, we'll move on to the two games from today. We'll get back to the rest of the weekend. After we'll start with two games today, up on the Sunshine Coast at Ballinger Park, Morton Bay United two-one winners over over the Wanderers, and they've just continued their great run of form, haven't they? Yeah, look, um, Morton Bay—they've they've really turned a corner, right? It's uh, like I said, they said they're probably outside of the top four. They're, they're, they're the team in form at the moment, um, and 
Yeah, I think that that win a couple of weeks ago, a tough win down at Logan against uh, Brisbane Raw, that's really sort of sparked them um, along. They they did have they did have a loss in sort of a, it's, I think three out of four now they've won. They did have a loss against Peninsula Power, but that was you know almost a moral victory for them. Like Power had to dig deep to get out of that one. So, but they are in great form. I think um, yeah, at the moment they're you know. They are the form side, and they're just playing well. It's good, and I think also as well coincides with Chom Arup coming back. You know, he's he's a personal favourite of mine, and um, and yeah, look, he like since he's been back, they're they're unbeaten. So, yeah, so, four games so, yeah, out of six it, for the Morton Bay in their unbeaten in the last four or the last six, and we'll talk about Chom Arup now because he got the first goal, really good dribble from Lyndon Farr, and it was a great little chip over the keeper from Chom Arup, and I'm sure it'll do him his confidence in the world are good to get that first goal back under his belt from injury. Oh yeah, look, it's both play. I think um, Eli Williams. I think he slipped a little bit, but I, I still think that no, it's no. I think it was always going to be you know, a chance. It would have taken something amazing uh, for for Williams to stop it. But um, yeah, look, his, his just his physical presence. I think uh, him combining with uh, Lyndon Farr, who I think is he's having a phenomenal season for um, you know, for Morton Bay, and also Jordan Courtney Perkins. While he didn't get on the score sheet, um, he he obviously had another good game, and uh, yeah, he did come off injured uh, late late in, in the game. So hopefully, it's nothing too serious there, because last thing Morton Bay needs another injury to one of their key players. But luckily for them, they got the bye next week, so obviously that'd be you know, some recovery time. But look, Royce Brownlee's got him firing at the moment. Absolutely, and that bay, that bye, Beggy Palm will come in as a perfect time for him, given the. Extensive injuries they do have. But you mentioned Lyndon Farr there. He has been absolutely fantastic, as you point out. Set up the winner as well there as well. So he's having a massive impact for them, having joined from Logan at the start of the year. Yeah, absolutely. And another sort of uh, players come in through the, through a season, Ethan Grimley, who came from Capalabar as well. Uh, he was the other goal scorer today. And look, here as well, he, he's been very serviceable up front. You know, he, he's he's doing a job as us. So it's it's um, like Lyndon Farr and uh, Jackson Courtney Perkins have been sort of standouts. But look, he's doing a job at the moment. And you bring a player like Arup, who is something different. He He's that X factor in that in that um that side, and funnily enough, you know Declan Smith, who is usually their nominal striker, who's actually doing a darn good job at centre back. You know, so he, yeah, look, he may not, he may not even get his way back up to um up to being a natural striker again. So, so he yeah, might look, not. It, yeah, he might not. It, thanks for that. You reminded me. I was just trying to work out who did score the winner for Morton Bay. It was Ethan Grimley. We'll talk about the goal scorer for Sunshine Coast now. A former Morton Bay player, Riley Campbell. And this was this was a very quick start to the second half from the Wanderers, wasn't? It? Paul Arneson yep. must have had some very it's a very good advice for him in terms of what he wanted to see from him in the start of the second half because it was about 30 seconds into that second half that the Wanderers did get their equaliser. And in fairness, they weren't too bad today. They were just, it was a very close game that Morton Bay shaded. Yeah, look, I think it comes down to just the one, the one pivotal goal that, you know, that Grimley scored at the end. Um, look, uh, yeah, look, oh, certainly Sunshine Coast, I think they, yeah, they've, they've been on a good run. It's an unfortunate loss. They probably deserve maybe a point out of this. But um, yeah, look, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be too down on their performance. They, they were pretty good. It's like a game against two form teams who are not in the top four at the moment. Um, and sort of lived up to that that height. But their yeah, Riley Campbell strike, you know, these things, I think it caught everyone by surprise, including Devin Crickmore. Probably didn't. They've had a busy week, Sunshine Coast, with the midweek mm-hmm. game. Now we'll talk about the second game today. Capalabar three, Brisbane Raw one, and after what happened eight days ago at Heath Park for Capalabar, they made such a bright start. And I think that was the most impressive thing I saw in the game that they they bounced back very quickly from that loss they had last week. And they, Stuart Edgar with a brace, they just they just gave, gave the Raw no chance, didn't they? Yeah, they they um 
they pretty much, you know, other than for a brief spell, sort of, you know, late in the first half, and then obviously the goal that, that was scored in the second half, the Capalba were in control of the game. They never really looked like losing that one. Um, yeah, look, Stuart Edgar's in great form at the moment, you now since his return from Victoria. Um, and, yeah, look, uh, I think, yeah, it's a very, very encouraging sign that, you know, obviously they didn't dwell too much on that 10-2 loss because that generally, you know, stuff like that, when you get beaten that badly, and, and look, and I've said on a number of occasions, um, they weren't that bad against East. It's just East were just that good and everything they touched went to gold last week. So, um, yeah, look, and it's actually good to see, I think, morally morale-wise for them, that, uh, yeah, they haven't dwelt on too much. Because obviously, they've bounced back and taken three points, and they're now up to seventh. They are. We'll get to the table shortly, but two goals from Jurega, one from Rio Wono, and Kai Tipaldo got his 11th of the season for the Brisbane Roar. But they just... There's something not right at the moment with the Roar, isn't there? Just the results for the last, last few weeks, apart from the big win against Brisbane City midweek, it just hasn't... It seems like something's not quite right, doesn't it? Yeah, look, I think I I point back to the that loss against Morton Bay, where that was that was a real fight, a real dog fight. You know, that's what you expect, you know, from senior football. And um, yeah, look, I don't think they've been right since. Like I said, let's let's disregard that seven-one win over City. Uh, they uh, look without without being too disrespectful to City that night. They were they were terrible. There's, there's no way I put it. I'm sure. I'm sure Matt Smith and you know the C fans would probably you know agree with that. They were terrible that night, which may have been a bit of a false dawn for the Raw that either oh, they bounced back because since then two very, very flat performances against you know Sunshine Coast Wanderers and Power two sides that they, that they had beaten early in the season. So I'm not sure. I, I don't want to draw a line. The only other correlation I can see is that you know ever since. Ramat Akbari came back. Isaac Powell also played um, today. And I warned a few weeks ago that, you know, I worry that, you know, bringing these A-League players, you know, coming back inside, it's going to wreck the continuity. I don't, I don't want to sort of, you know, subscribe to that. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a troubling coincidence that, you know, all of a sudden, um, yeah, the Raw, like I said, they're, they're sitting in fifth at the moment. Um, but, yeah, the, the pack is... Um, the pack is sort of, you know, is about to you know, go past them. And, uh, and Morton Bay are one point behind. The pack is certainly catching up, but they did have Ramadak Bari and Isaac Powell in. And at your point, you did say that they probably would not be the wisest idea to bring those players in. But they need, those players also need game time. And I think there's some, mm. the, poor, the poor run of results started before they came back. And they also finished this game with 10 men, Adam, with um, Oliver Plusman sent off with a straight record. With what the, mm. the sound effects through the camera that we could hear sounded like he, he had allegedly spat at one of the players, which if that is the case, and we don't know if it is, but that's just what we heard. If that that is the case, that's uh, very poor. In this day and age, especially at the moment, all that's going on with, with the the pandemic and everything like that. If and I use I use the word allegedly um, because at the end of the day, uh, going viewing through the through the stream, you couldn't actually see it. But yeah, it's not looking good. And yeah, and that's a really really stupid thing to do. And um, yeah, look, I think he might be on on the uh, sidelines for a few weeks. So I think this is not this is not your simple one game suspension. I think this is going to be a few more. Um, like so it's certainly not Avram Papadopoulos levels from from um, a few years ago, but certainly this is not a good look, and especially all that's going on health-wise, you know, I hope someone gives him counsel very, very quickly because it is a very, very dumb thing to do. You're right, and the, the important thing to stress here is the camera vision didn't actually show anything of the sort yeah. that happened. It's happened off the ball, away from the camera, so you can't actually see what did or did not happen. We can only go off what 
the Kapalabar players and coaching staff were insinuating quite vociferously on the on the effects, Mike. So that's all we can go off. He did get a straight red. We'll find out what actually did happen in due course, I imagine. The other results for the weekend, Lions SC 4, Redlands nil, Peninsula Power 3, Brisbane City 2, Olympic 2, Eastern Suburbs 1. So the top four sides there, or top three of the top four in Gold Coast Knights as well picked up wins to stretch their lead at the top, those top four sides. Yeah, um, yeah, all, all top four, you know, winning last night. Uh, yeah, look, I think, again, uh, you know, I think we were talking yesterday that, you know, the more things change, the more things stay the same. And, um, yeah, the top four have really sort of you know, stolen a march, you know, especially Brisbane Raw losing today. Uh, the gap now goes to six points and Gold Coast Knights have got games in hand. So, yeah, like, I think, yeah, I think it's almost, yeah, now those top four teams who all play each other, you know, across the rest of the season, they'll be jostling positions, you know, for finals. But, um, yeah, I almost would say, yeah, top four is set in stone. It's because um, I can't see them losing too many, too many games outside. They're all four teams look like now they've hit their straps. Yeah, it certainly looks like what we were talking about last night. The more things change in the NPL Queens and the more they stay the same in terms of the top four final teams, it's going to be the order. That varies. Olympic are currently on top with 33 points, followed by Lions on 31, Pinchler Power 30, Gold Coast Knights 29. Those two sides do have games in hand, so expect them to potentially jump above. We'll have to wait and see. Brisbane Raw remain fifth on 23 points, followed by Moreton Bay. Capalaba, to your point, you mentioned they're up to seventh on 17 points, and you've got Gold Coast United on 16. Brisbane Strikers had the bye. They, they stay on 15 points. East, Sunshine Coast and Brisbane City are all on 14, and Redlands United are on 13. So it's still incredibly close at the bottom of the table, isn't it? I mean, Kapalaba jumped from 12th to 7th today with one win, so it just shows you what one result can do. Oh, absolutely, and that's like I said, if, if some of those you know, bottom four teams, five teams, they string two or three wins together, especially when they play each other. Like, Sunshine Coast, I know, have got Redlands and um, Redlands and Kapalaba in the next couple of weeks. If they win both those games. Um, yeah, look, it's very, it's, it's very, very quick to at least give yourself some breathing space. I wouldn't, I wouldn't call yourself safe, but, um, but yeah, look, but also as well, a string of losses could also condemn you. So again, like not only it's a top four, you know, dynamics interesting. I think the, the bottom, you know, six or seven, I think that's also going to be very, very interesting as well. I think um, the only team at the moment, teams at the moment say that, you know, they have to worry about, you know, looking over their shoulder are probably Brisbane Raw and um, Morton Bay. But look, if, if teams are winning down there out of desperation, it's very, very simply, you know, those teams could all, all of a sudden come into if they had on a string of losses. Raw have now lost um, two two in a row now. Yeah, so they, they're comfortable at the moment, but things can change very quickly, as we've seen both this year in general as well as in the NPL specifically. There are two catch-up games during the week to be played. Gold Coast United will host Peninsula Power and Kapalaba will host Eastern Suburbs. So there's two games there that could help shape the table there. And there is obviously a full round coming up next weekend. The headline, I guess, Adam, would be the second Bayside derby with Kapalaba winning the first one against Redlands quite comfortably. That would be probably the pick of the round. Yes. Um, look, uh, that, that's got so, it's, a, it's a relegation six-pointer. Yeah. I think yeah, if, if you ever have one of those in um, a league in Australia, this is it. Um, two teams that are separated by 10 kilometres. And, uh, yeah, this is, this is, is going to be a big derby. And I think uh, if there's a winner... I think um, it, it might um, really sort of set themselves up for you no know, safety almost. Now, I've said that I have a, I have overlooked one game on Sunday night, which I would dare say is probably a little bit bigger in terms of the context of the season. It's the grand final rematch between Olympic and Gold Coast Knights. So that will have a massive bearing on the way things go this season, won't it, Adam? 
Well, it'll be the biggest. Well, the Redlands Derby, the biggest game on Saturday, but uh, Bayside Derby. But yeah, certainly Olympic and um, Gold Coast Knights on Sunday at Goodwin Park. The, the tradition there, traditional Sunday nights. Uh, Sunday nights, sort of. Um, it's time slot, and yeah, that's that's a huge game because both sides are in form. Olympic, Olympic are flying at the moment. Uh, Gold Coast Knights, they they seem to have, you know they've had it. They had a few sort of issues with coaches and whatnot, but um. Yeah, they're, they're, I think they're starting to hit their straps. So, look, this is going to be, you know, a massive game. And also, as well, the top four, the makeup top four, these are the these are the games that are going to, the results are going to shape that. They absolutely will be. It's another great weekend coming up. It's also some mid-table clashes, some relegation clashes of potential as well. So, it's a lot of good football to go out and have a look at. We'll move on to the MPLW. Running through the results here quickly. Southwest Quinton Thunder 2, Capalabar 1, Lions 5, Gap 2, Mitchelton 2, Eastern Suburbs 1, Logan 1, South United, Neil and Gold Coast United versus Moreton Bay was not played this week. I think it's going to be caught up at a later date. So that's an interesting... We should start at the top of those results, actually, Adam. Capalaba going up to Toowoomba and, and, and losing, that's a bit of a surprise, isn't it? It is. Um, yeah, like I keep on saying about MPLW at the moment, it is almost impossible to almost pick uh, what's going to happen. Like you would have thought that Capalba, who leapt to the top of the table, all of a sudden you think, you know, they're then, you know, in control. Next thing you know, um, they're losing to, to Thunder, who, you know, are down in 10th. So, so yeah, look, a big win for Thunder, and they always seem they always seem to you know, show something. Like they they've got a, a number of talented players in that side, but I think their depth sort of gets caught up. But uh, they've somehow held on against the Capalabar, and um, yeah, look, congratulations to them. But um, yeah, I think it might be as far as the Premiership goes, that might be a mortal blow for Capalabar. What to see about that in, in future weeks? But you're right about the Southwest Queensland Thunder. Whenever they play at home, they always seem to be the sort of side which can. Keep things close, and more often than not, when you keep it close, you'll get a result every now and then. So we shouldn't be too surprised by it, I guess, but it's a bit of a disappointing one for Capalabar. The other one, which I noticed, was Lions 5, Gap 2. The Gap are now now six points behind the race for the top four, and Gold Coast United, who are currently sitting fourth, have two games in hand on them. Is that almost top four sorted in the MPLW as well, Adam? Because I think it very well could be. Um, unless there's a major... Unless it's sort of a major um, sort of collapse from one of those top four teams, I'm going to say yes. Uh, the gap, the, the worrying thing is that Lions have now scored 10 goals against them in two games. So there's obviously defensively they're not as you know as as strong as they they have been in the past. Look, goal scoring always never a problem for them. Um, they, they, they've got they've got the, the sort of the players to be able to score goals with defensively. Um, yeah, look, Lions, Lions are capable of putting five goals in any way if they want to. But, um, yeah, that's a worrying trend for a side um, like the Gap. And, yeah, they're going to find it very, very tough. And they're going to have to have results go their way um, if, they, if they've got top four ambitions. I think they're yeah, all back gone. I would have thought so. Lions, to your point, they are top of the table on 34 points. Logan sitting second on 30 with a game in hand. Capalabar are third on 30 points. Gold Coast United are fourth on 28 points. They have three games in hand on Lions. So there's... There's great potential there for Gold Coast to jump up the table. East are in fifth. The gap we took out there in sixth. Then you've got South United seventh. Football Queens and QAS girls who had the bye this week in, in eighth. Mitchelton ninth with their win today over East. Southwest Quinton Thunder remain tenth. And Morton Bay, who didn't play this weekend either, they remain at the bottom of the table. So it certainly does appear that way. Adam, but the top four is pretty much set. 
Yeah, look, and uh, we saw the uh, Gold Coast United girls last night uh, having a good time at uh, the Croatian Sports Centre supporting uh, their men's side. So, and they, so obviously they had, they did, they enjoyed their weekend off. So, but yeah, um, we did, we did hear that we that we didn't sort of have covered off that um, a injury forced their start their star defender uh, Momo Hayashi, and I think. Um, um, we're still sort of you know, piecing together how badly that how bad the injury is and how long she's going to be out for. But that 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 could be a um, competition altering um, sort of injury. That because if she's out for long term, uh, while Gold Coast United, you know, I think they've got the players to cover it. I think their chances of perhaps winning it. I think you know their their, their odds increase dramatically because um yeah she she's a superstar of this league. I'd say she's probably the best player in the league. And without her, I don't think Gold Coast are not the same. I would certainly say she is the best player in the league. And I think W League clubs all around the country should be having a very good look mm. at adding her to their squads. And also, it's great to see at Gold Coast, you know, they do support each other. The men's side to support the women. The women go out and support the men. That's great to see. We'll move on to the FQPL, Adam. Logan 2, South nil. Wolves 3, Mitchelson 1. Rochdale 4, Western Pride nil. And the two results today, Southwest Queen and Thunder 3, Ipswich Knights 2. And Sunshine Coast Fire 2, Holland Park 1. The two results there on the set, they really... I'm just... I need you to explain this to me because I don't understand Wolves 3, Mitchelton 1 and Rochdale 4, Western Pride 0. Mitchelton and Western Pride, they just keep they keep getting close to being in a position to challenge that promotion spot and then they just keep sliding away, don't they? Consistency yeah. Once again. Yep, and we and we, we, we say it with a lot of these sides, um, even in NPL, that consistency in results um, is generally what costs these sides. And yeah, look... Um, yeah, those losses to Mitchelton and Western Pride, I think yeah, that's um, yeah, that that's going to hurt their chances. Uh, also, as well, uh, Ipswich Knights were two 0 up uh, within within half an hour to go against um, Southeast Queensland Thunder, and we sort of I like, know a couple of weeks ago said so that they uh, that they that they'll be the, the hot favourites to go up, and they've had a couple of results go against them. They for sixty minutes they looked like they, they were headed for another loss before they got out of uh, jail. Eric Evans, so. Um, yeah, like I think that, and that to me shows a sign that they perhaps, you know, that they do want to, you know, be, you know, that they, they want to be, um, the promotion because, because like I said, that's a, that's a big fight back from them. It is. I was about to, just about to move on to that game because they mm. were 2 0 down to your point there against Ipswich Knights and this showed real character, this result, didn't it? Because they turned it around about 10 or 12 minutes there in the second half. They, I was watching it briefly. They turned it on in there in that 12 or 15 minutes where they could get the three goals and, I think it shows the real character this side's got. The fact that, you're to your point, they did drop points away at Logan and Western Pride in recent weeks. And their away form, you mentioned it last week, was a little bit questionable. But to get a result like this on the road, is a, it's a massive character result. Oh, absolutely, and that's and that's sort of the point. Yeah, that that uh, in the past, especially in the NPL, like so they look, they were always you know value at home, but on the road they were just absolutely terrible and. There was sort of a thought after losses to Logan and Western Pride. They go, oh no, the bad, the bad days of Thunder are back. Where you know they just they put into their home games, but their away form is just hopeless. And uh, for them to come back against Ipswich Knights, who are a you know a fairly decent team, uh, look, I think that that shows great character. I think that's gonna, I think that might give them confidence. You know, say that you know they can win anywhere. It does. We talked about Wyndham Wolves last week about their rise up the table. They're now in six. We'll get to that table now. The Thunder do remain on top of the table by one point. Over Logan Lightning, Mitchelton remained third on 25 points. You got Western Pride in fourth and Rochdale in, in fifth. Wyndham Wolves are sixth, and it's a great turnaround for them. Mitchell Knights are down to seventh. Sunshine Coast Fire they're up to eighth, and you got Holland Park, South United, and Southside Eagles. So again, that 
again, the promotion appears to be between the top two now, Adam Shirley, but the spots in the finals, they're really heating up. And you'd have to say, win and Wolves, if they can continue this this run, they could be a real threat in the final series. Yeah, look, and that's, yeah, again, I think FQPL as well. I think it's a tale of two sort of, you know, two fronts at the moment. Because I think, yeah, you're right. I think it's down to two as far as um, the promotion goes. I think between Southwest Queensland Thunder and Logan Lightning. But, yeah, for those third and fourth places come the finals for the FQPL. Um, yeah, look, even even if Ipswich put, get their act together, I think this is a bad loss for them as far as their chances for finals go. Because um, this would have been a big scalp taking out Thunder. Um, even them down seventh. So you're really looking at, you know, five teams playing for two spots. And, um, yeah, look, Wynnum are in form at the moment. Rochdale capable of doing anything. And if Western Pride can put it together, um, I think, yeah, they even they could... Um, sort of factor in, especially come finals. So, yeah, I think there's plenty of it. There's plenty to play for in uh, FQPL other than just um, chasing promotion. Most certainly. Now, we will move on to a couple of news stories. We don't normally do this, but there's a couple of really big ones this week. Firstly, some really big transfer news this week, Adam. Just briefly, Gold Coast, not to be mentioned, they did pick up Aaron Reardon and Oscar Dillon. Brisbane City grabbed Marquez Walters back from the Roar Academy, along with Blake Thompson, who left the Gold Coast Knights. And Peninsula Power brought back Daniel Clark from Victoria. Just quickly, which of those signs do you think will have the biggest impact on the league this season? Uh, look, that's a good question because um, I would dare say that um, I dare say that it'd be a, a very it'd be a photo finish between Daniel Clark for Peninsula Power. Like he he comes in, we're told that he's injury replacement for Sam Cronin, who's going to be out long term, which is you know shocking luck for probably one of the most talented players in the league. Um, that you know, another another injury, long-term injury for him. But look, Daniel Clark is a very, very good and capable replacement. But I think also Oscar Dillon uh, for uh, Gold Coast Knights. He just gives that that. that for, it's it's amazing that we're saying a player's 21 years old. And we're using the word. He brings that experience to the back. Um, he, but he is that good. Um, he, he is he is an A League, you know, is an A League level player, and you know, obviously, it didn't work out Western United for whatever he's, their reasons are. But look, he adds, you know, that familiarity at the back, and yeah, look, I think that they all of a sudden, I think, um, look a lot more stronger, and look at and having adding an Aaron Reardon as well. Um, that's just as good. So yeah, I think it's a it's a close one between Clark and uh, Dylan as far as probably the best signing of the of the last sort of you know week. I would say it's Oscar Dillon. I think he's going to have a massive impact down there on the Gold Coast Knights, shoring up that back four. The second news story we have to talk about is the announcement that came out last Monday, I believe it was, from the AAFC. They've got together a working group of, of 33 clubs now, I believe it is, who are now going to work together to plan out what a second division could look like, which they've named the championship. I hope they change that name because it sounds ridiculous to me. But anyway, <laughs> the six Queensland teams who are involved in the planning phase of this are Peninsula Power, Olympic FC, Gold Coast United, Sunstone Coast Fire, Wynnum Wolves and Western Pride. So it's a fair a fair mix of teams from Queensland who are involved in this, Adam. Yeah. Um, look, it, it is it is um, a working group. Um, I believe that it's, it's, I think it's some you know, contributions as far as figuring out how they're going to, um, sort of how, how basically the mechanics of this league is going to work um, and whatnot. So it's very, very early stages. I think when the announcement came out last Monday, the, I think the, the first thing I know personally that I looked at was the teams, especially in Queensland, that were missing. And I'm talking about, said like Gold Coast Knights, like Lions, Brisbane City, uh, Brisbane Strikers. Um, for them to not be on that list, I think in the initial stage, you think, wow, there's, what's, what's going on here? Because I said, they're some big clubs that are also very, very financially well off. 
um, to them not to be involved. But I, I do believe this is, I'm not sure the reasons why we haven't gotten around yet sort of to ask those questions um, about why they're, they're not amongst us, 33 teams across the country. Um, but yeah, it, it, it is, that is sort of the first thing that struck me. But I think more so, I think it's just a matter of now figuring out what is the best way forward because um, it, it is it is going to be a complex situation and so it's not and it's not going to suit everyone. Like already there's complaints about, oh, there's so many Victorian teams in there and, you know, like how, how is the league going to run? You know, you've got three, three teams, but you, realistically you can't have a league more than, you know, maybe 16 or even 20. So some teams are going to miss out. So I think for me... More questions than answers, but I think, but the AFC have also said that they will they will provide answers over time. So I'm I watch it with intrigue, but at the moment I'd like to see more detail. And also, and the main thing as well, just overall, is that whether how how's this you know financially as as a as a model going to run? It's good that they're getting to now trying to work on what that model looks like. But I would like more information on what it looks like before I make any sort of judging on whether or not it can work or not. We should also point out those six teams from Queensland and the 33 or 34 teams nationally they are not guaranteed to be part of this competition it will be worked out at a later date i believe the current theory they have are working towards is teams who do well in the mpl in their particular state will be promoted into that competition and there'll be automatic promotion relegation back to the mpl level so that's the way i believe they're working on it adam and i think that's probably the best case yeah look um i think it's probably the most logical um way to do it i think at the end of the day you should you shouldn't be as a club you know be able to you know, use your money again if you don't if you're not going to be competitive i think especially early on that's, that's what you don't want you don't want to have teams that you know where not only are they they're being questioned you know sort of on the pitch but it's also off the pitch as well that um so so that there's but i think it's it is still early days i think uh again the the whole financials is what concerns me especially because there are a number of western australian teams how that would be financially viable for them to play if it's if it's one league you know if it's one competition how are those clubs going to afford to come across to the east um every or in adelaide you know once every few weeks or teams going over there so there are a lot of questions about how the financials are worked and i know that i think a lot of people sort of like the romance of, you know, oh, it's a second division, you know, and all that. And look, and I agree, I'm, I'm the same. But again, do you want something that's not, you want something that is going to be sustainable. Like, and to me at the moment, you know, this whole, whole pie in the sky, you know, ambitions, unless you've actually put some serious dollars behind that and, you know, a, a serious plan, this may not even last a season. Yeah, well, they're going to have, that's why I'm waiting to see what mm. it looks like financing before we judge whether or not it can be successful. I hope it can be because I think Australian football really does need it. We'll move on to the final news story. And Monday, Adam, must have been the day where teams, where organisations released their their strategy documents for the future because Football Queensland, they also unveiled a document largely around governance and structure of competitions and all these things. They've been around the state to all the different regions to get their feedback on what would be the best way forward. And there's a whole bunch of, whole bunch of things to talk about. We're not going to go through all of them. We're going to focus on one in particular, which is competitions-based. They are suggesting that there will be a third division in the F, in the men's competition called FQPL2 and a, and a second division in the women's net called FQPLW. Now, we don't know when or if these competitions will ever happen, but I think it's fair to say that, they, Adam, these would be two really good additions to, to the Football Queensland Pyramid. Yeah, look, in, in theory, um, yeah, look, that's very exciting times. Um, 
where where I sort of stop short of you know completely outright praising it is that how are they going to sort of implement it? I think um, if if the talk is that they want it up and running by twenty twenty one, you're going to have a hard time you know chopping down say for example MPL Queensland down to ten teams from thirteen. 14 teams, um, you know, because also a lot of these teams have been playing on the proviso of, you know, it's only one team going down. You know, even even if it's a reallocation, still, I don't think a lot of these teams would be too pleased about playing in what it seemed to be the second division, um, all because, you know, you're trying to change structures. So that The implementation of it could be interesting, but look, as far as the actual theory behind it, oh, I'm, I'm all for it. You know, I think, I think as well, I think you're going to have a better sort of you know, balanced competitions. And that's, I think that's what you want. No one wants to see, um, like obviously, except in the rules, what, what happened last Saturday night at Heath Park. But, you know, especially in the women, you don't, you really don't want to see, you know, so many lopsided results, you know. And when I say lopsided, you know, when it's like seven or eight goals in it. Yeah. So I think, I think as well, especially in the women, I think it would benefit from a smaller top division and having that second division for teams that are more at the center. I think it also may entice uh, a lot of, especially in the women's side of things, a lot of these teams are playing in uh, the football Brisbane competitions like the um, B, BWPL and whatnot to perhaps, you know, step into that. And I think that that might at least, you know, give more competition balance, especially that second division. Well, I think the first thing that's to work is how many teams are going to be in each division. Because if it's going to be 10 teams in the MPL men's, I'm not sure that's going to work out. So they're going to have to really work out how many teams they want in the competition. But let's have a bit of fun to finish this off, Adam. Just talk about who could potentially be involved in these things because there's a whole bunch of ways you can look at it. We'll start with the, the men's competition. And obviously the Brisbane Premier League will probably see a few teams joining from there. But do you go... Do you, will, will teams from the Gold Coast Premier League and the Sunshine Coast League want to join the potential third division... Do they bring back some of the regional teams like a Wide Bay, a North Queensland, a Cairns? There's a lot of different questions and ways you can can go with it, isn't there? Yeah, and I think, and for me, the the, the highest vexed question is what they do about um, about Central and North Queensland. That's and that that's look, that's not just a uh, football problem. That in across all sports in this state. Um, it is always um, a question. I know I've got personal experience myself in another sport. Um, that you know, it is very very difficult to balance. You know how you include the you know the, the regions like Central Queensland and North Queensland, um, but then without you know, and then trying to figure out logistically and financially how to incorporate them, especially you know at a um, at a semi-pro level. Uh, that you know, so that that's going to be very interesting about how that works or, or whether they that football Queensland have got ideas on how they can have regional competitions up there that would suit them. Um, but yeah, certainly um, closer to home. Um, yeah, look, I can I can see a number of Gold Coast Prem, Premier League teams and Sunshine Coast Premier teams maybe being part of that third division. But again, it all comes down to the sort of the criteria is about joining that or whether that's more they want to stay within their local competitions. So again, uh, like like the national second division, I think there's a lot of detail needs still needs to come out. But look, uh, I'm I'm quite positive on that. I think that I think it'd be great to have a third division because I think again it would be it make it more comp- competitive. Yeah, absolutely. The other thing I would really like to see if they are going to expand to two divisions of the women, three and the men, I'd like to see more clubs actually compete in both. At the moment, there's only a handful of clubs actually compete in both competitions. I'll read you the list, Adam. It's Lions, Morton Bay, Gold Coast United East, Capalabar, Thunder, Logan Lightning, Mitchell and Western Pride, who are in the, the women's junior competitions. And we did have a team in the seniors this year, but did drop out, and they believe they're coming back next year. So there's not many teams there who are in both competitions. I would like to see teams like the Brisbane Strikers, Gold Coast Knights, 
Olympic Brisbane City tried to get in this year, didn't quite get in. Mm. Peninsula Power returned to the women's competition. Brisbane Raw step up their, their game on the women's side of the academy. I'd like to see some of these teams joining that mix of t- in both competitions. Wouldn't you think that's a, a, the best way to go about this? I think I think it's it should almost be mandatory. I think if, if you're if you've got aspirations to play MPL level, um, it should be mandatory. Even even if even if the side is not good, like so for example, um, look just take uh, Gold Coast Knights for example, who will have you know a very very strong men's team, but their women's team may not be so so strong. But at least that like, even if if that women's team's in in FQPL, I, I believe you know if you want to play MPL either as a women's team. A la the gap, who I think would be an MPL team, but their men's team probably would not be good enough to be MPL. Um, I think they, they should have both. If you like, otherwise, you know what you stay in. You stay in. You know, if you're going to play one, own one competition, you, you you're not eligible for MPL. I think that that should be part of the licensing requirement. That you know, if you're going to play at the top in the top flight, either men or women, you need to have you know, you need to have a team in the other one. And also as well, it also filters down that you're under you're under. 20 men and under 18 men and under 18 girls as well. That you should you should have to have all those teams in there as well because that's I believe that's that might be excuse for a couple of these clubs. The reason why they don't participate in the women's especially is because they don't have the number of players to be able to field the junior teams. So, but I think I think yeah you know, you've got almost got to put incentive that because I know a lot of these teams that have not got women's teams. They do have a big budget for their men's team, so I think they need to sort of, in a way, um, share the wealth a little bit um, to to, be, to ensure they not only fulfil their requirements as far as having a competitive, you know, men's team, but also as well having a women's team and the and the corresponding junior teams. Yeah, well, there are 15 clubs, Adam, in the MPL and FQPL who are in the men's comp that do not have a women's team. So I think that needs to be something that they all do look at, and particularly if some of these club big budget clubs that you mentioned have potentially their eye on upgrades to their facilities around the Women's World Cup bid. I think yeah. that should be completely tight. If you don't have a women's team, you, you're not getting any any government or governing body assistance because that's just not what the facility upgrade should be about at that level either. Oh, absolutely. And I think that, and that's another point that, that didn't even sort of dawn on me is that, yeah, about the whole excitement around, you know, the Women's World Cup in three years' time as well. And that, and that should be the, it should be ambition. It shouldn't have to actually be like. It shouldn't even have to be forced upon these clubs to say, "Oh, if you're going to play MPL, that you need to also have a corresponding women's team." Or if, yeah, you know, I guess in the reverse case, say for example, I bring up the Gap, who the only one that I can think of that have they are a, the only team that yeah. in the men's FQQAS, but that's a separate case. Yeah, yeah, but also as well, and that includes Brisbane Raw as well. There's there's no reason why they cannot have a senior women's team um, in there, especially where, rather than farming out all their players to you know the MPL clubs. There's no reason why they can't. They, they should not be exempt either. I think they if they're going to field a um, a youth team, a, what they call their youth team in MPL men. They need to do the same in the women. So I think, yeah, I think that's got to be an important part. I think Football Queensland have to be very, very strong on that and say that you know what, you need to, you need to have equal participation for both men and women. Completely agree with you. That should have to be the way. Now, Adam, we've probably run yep. out of time here. Well, but we could talk yeah, about this for another half an hour or so, but we might just <laughs> might come back to this at a later date. Thanks for joining yep. me once again. Yeah, thanks, Scott. All right, we'll talk to you all later.